Welcome to the Falling Skies cast, the first podcast dedicated to Falling Skies on TNT. Welcome back to the Fallen Skies cast. This is Jimmy and Georgia, your hosts, as always. And I have a message later on on Twitter we'll get to. I'll bring up this subject again later on. But I guess we're going to have to move Emmy out of the co-host slot into a special guest when available slot. Yeah, it's been... I'm not sure how many episodes since she's been able to do this. And uh, I don't know, work has been kind of crazy for her. So in the evenings when we would typically try to do this, it just hasn't worked out. So... Anyway, we're going to keep moving forward as we go forward with the Falling Skies cast. And we're going to kick off this week's episode with some more news. From the Falling Skies cast studios, it's the Falling Skies news with Jimmy and Emmy. All right, well, the biggest news I have right now is actually around the world. Falling Skies is still being shown in several countries. Uh, I saw they were just finishing up episode number seven over, I think, in England. And uh, so there are several weeks behind there. And so, you know, this may be September by the time some of those um, listeners may be hearing this episode if they don't want to be spoiled. So, again, we'd love to hear your feedback, too. Just because we've discussed these episodes doesn't mean we can't talk about them some more. So if you listen to this and you've just now seen the episode around the world, please submit your feedback. We would love to have that, especially as we go back into our rewatch, because we will be starting that up in September. I plan to have that first episode up, I think it's September 14th, will be the second Wednesday of the month. And as far as I know, that's going to be the plan between now and next June as we look forward to the premiere. And as I speculated last episode, I'm thinking that um, date's probably going to be right around Father's Day again, which I'm assuming to be June 17th. And so we're going to be looking forward to that. And as we move forward over the next... 10 months or so. Hopefully we can fill in some of that gap with these uh, rewatch episodes and hopefully as well we'll have some more scheduled interviews. First up, um, as we mentioned quite a while ago, and I'm honestly not 100% sure how to pronounce the gentleman's name, I believe it is Umpo Kahoa. I believe is how you pronounce it. I may be wrong. We've got some more feedback later on in the show too to get into, but I have been talking with him over Twitter several times here and there and uh, he sent us a message just a few days ago that was encouraging that we'll, we'll talk about here on the show but anyway the good news is that he has um, given me his agent's phone number and I'm going to be calling him hopefully tomorrow I wanted to go ahead and get this out of the way before I, uh, I called him to try to organize a time for whatever reason that's the way I had it set up in my mind I wanted to finish up this episode about episode 10 before um, giving his agent a call to try to set up an interview So hopefully that'll be our next episode of the Falling Skies cast. That will be an exclusive interview with Mpokaoa. And if his name is pronounced wrong, I'm sure he will tell me. And if you know how to pronounce his name, you can go ahead and tell me so I don't make a fool of myself. That will be fine too. But we are definitely excited about that. And and hopefully we can um, set up some other interviews. I know um, the guys over at 3 by Space, as we mentioned before, have had a couple interviews already. And I think they have some more possibly coming up soon. So I know it's definitely possible. Um, but we'll we'll see how that all works out. But yeah, he's Mpo sent us a message a while back. Uh, I think it was Friday. He said, "The Falling Skies this is our Twitter handle. If you're not familiar, guys, I've been leaving you hanging. I'm sorry. Let's get me on the podcast soon." 
And so I messaged him back here and there a couple of places, and he was able to send me his, his agent's name and number, and so that's pretty good stuff. And we've already talked about this week's ratings as far as here in the U.S. goes, and so we're going to jump into our next segment of the podcast, one that I like, uh, hopefully you do as well, and that's going to be the Pope Quote of the Week. It's time for the Pope Quote of the Week. All right, well, this Pope Quote of the Week comes from his rousing speech to the <laughs> to the troops there right before they split off into their four groups to go attack the towering structure over Boston. And again, I'm going to let this Pope speak for himself as we get into the Quote of the Week. Before this becomes uh, a big weepy Oprah moment, I'd just like to say that if we make a U-turn now, it'd be a waste of some fine munitions. I mean, you call yourselves a resistance, right? So resist! Let's light these alien freaks up! All right, we're going to jump into our next segment. Um, this was the one that was inspired by Professor Mason and his boys when it comes right down to it as well. And that is... This Week in History. All right, well, Tom shares about the battles of Lexington and Concord as part of his history lesson this week, and he mentions that a small band of colonists fought against the entire might of the English Empire, or British Empire, he may have said, and the battles of Lexington and Concord were actually the first really fighting, if you will, of the Revolutionary War here in the America, and it's when the colonies rose up against the British crown, and that actually started back on April 19, 1775, in areas near Boston. The battle started in Lexington, and the outnumbered militia were able to retreat to Concord, and there the 500 militiamen were able to fight off three companies of British soldiers, and other things happened later. But this is also the thing that inspired Ralph Waldo Emerson in his writing to coin the phrase, which has been pretty popular, to describe um, the battle there at North Bridge as the shot heard round the world, which is a pretty popular phrase over the last few hundred years. All right, well, the next little part of his speech was a quote from Patrick Henry. He said, The battle is not to the strong alone. It is for the vigilant, the active, and brave. And Patrick Henry was a contemporary of the Revolution. He, along with others, such as Thomas Paine, Samuel Adams, were supposed to be some of the most influential speakers of the time. And he has several famous quotes. Another one that was really famous, he was standing up against the Stamp Act in 1765, and that is when he said the very famous, Give me liberty or give me death. And so, yes, as you can imagine, he was a great speaker, apparently. And that was one of his, his, his other things there that Tom shared with his troops. Patrick Henry lived um, from 1736 into 1799. He went on to serve after the Revolution in some different political offices and things. But definitely is considered one of the founding fathers of America. That's not all of our history lesson this week. We also got a little bit of history lesson from Hal Mason as he talks to Weaver. And he says that his dad had told him after Pearl Harbor was bombed, thousands of young men joined the army to fight back. And Weaver even says, like father, like son, with the history lessons. Most of our listeners are probably aware that American naval base out in Hawaii was attacked by the Japanese back in 1941, December 7th to be exact. And that is what ushered us into the, the battle of World War II. And as many people said, it awoken a sleeping beast. And that was really a bad attack. Um, as we, we talk about that, nine ships were sunk. 21 ships were really badly damaged. 
and over 2,300 people died, um, which is a lot of people. And so that was just a huge attack against America. And the next day, the president, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, signed the declaration of war. And then our country began mobilizing the military to go into war. And so, yeah, that's pretty much what he was going on there. There was no Captain America, like I know many of us have probably just seen the movie, uh, which was a fun movie to um, help rally support, but it was a fun little movie anyway. But I, don't, I will digress from there. All right, well, that's This Week in History from the Mason Boys, and now we're going to jump into another fun little segment of the show. Falling Skies and Pop Culture. All right, well, the first thing I noticed this week as far as a pop culture reference, and this may or may not be something you're familiar with if you're an international listener or maybe you're not as familiar with sports, Tom uses the term Hail Mary Pass to describe some of the things that have been going on with the second mass as of late. And if you're not familiar, a Hail Mary Pass basically is a really long touchdown pass thrown to win the game, more or less. And... It was used before the 70s, but it actually became kind of a famous term back in December of 1975 when the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Roger Straubach, threw a touchdown pass in a playoff game to defeat the Minnesota Vikings to Drew Pearson. And apparently afterwards, Straubach, who was a Roman Catholic, said he closed his eyes and said a Hail Mary. And if you're not Catholic, maybe you're not familiar with what a Hail Mary is, but it is a Catholic prayer asking for intercession of the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so that would explain that particular pop culture term, and it is definitely still used today in the football world. All right, another one interesting to me. I never heard of this movie. Pope mentioned a movie called Wages of Fear, or um, it was originally actually a French film, and the original title, and I may be saying this wrong, is La Salerie de la Poule, and apparently it is about a a decrepit South American village where men are hired to transport an urgent nitroglycerin shipment without the equipment to make it safe. And so that sounds like a pretty interesting movie. It was made back in the 1950s, released back in 1953. And so that could be kind of a cool thing. I don't know if that's on Netflix, but I'm, I don't know. I wouldn't mind checking that out to see if it was pretty good. I, I would have to assume one of the writers of the show, I don't know if it was Robert Rodad or Mark Verhaden or whoever, somebody likes this movie, they would not have brought it up in this situation. Granted, it does apply in the fact that these guys even kind of mentioned, um, as Anthony was kind of scared about the explosives being in the car, it wasn't nitroglycerin, which makes sense with the, the reference, but definitely kind of an obscure, at least to me, movie that Pope mentions there. Another pop culture reference was Anthony calls Pope Charlie Manson. And if you're familiar with him, he was the uh, criminal who basically became the leader of a group of other miscreants who ended up killing some people back in the 60s. I mean, he has quite a little little following probably even still today with different people. But, but yeah, people just pretty much think of him as an insanely violent person. Most of us probably know who he is, so I won't get into all the gory details of who he killed and how he killed him, but he has been in um, serving a life sentence in prison out in California for, I don't know, probably 30-some-odd years now. Anyway, Charles Manson, not who you want to be called. Um, definitely a derogatory statement there by calling Pope that. All right, one last little pop culture reference, and depending on what part of the world or the country you live in, you might still have these somewhere nearby you, and that is a cakewalk. Maggie mentions a cakewalk. 
And at least around here in Georgia, cakewalks happen at all sorts of places, even churches, where it's a game. It's kind of a, a carnival game, really, I guess, where people have a, a numbering system around a circle. And as you walk around the circle and the music stops or whatever, it has different rules depending on who's playing. And um, you win prizes. And a lot of places that you actually win a cake <laughs> or brownies or some sort of dessert item. And it could be something better than that, depending on what type of, of raffle or whatnot it might be connected to. But it looks like this actually goes back all the way to 1869 to a church over in England. This Reverend Lewis Daly apparently came up with this idea. The game was to guess the weight of a pie at St. Margaret's Church over in Kings Lynn, England. So... Well, I guess that's all for the pop culture references, and if we missed any, please let us know. We'd be glad to to add those, and I still say us, as in me and Emmy, I guess, but yeah, she's not here, really. So, I'd like to know. <laughs> Send me the information, and I would, I would be glad to include it. Alright, we're going to move into our recap. It's time for the Falling Skies recap, part of the show where we recap Falling Skies. Falling Skies, eight hours. Uncle Scott says the skitters must have changed the frequency for communication again. And then my question right there is, did Ricky tell him? I think we kind of get that answer later on as we see what Ricky does, but that was my first thing I thought. Tom, Uncle Scott thinks that the right if they found the right signal, it should be able to stop the mechs and skitters in their tracks. Tom kind of talks to Ann about what effects this might be having on Ben. That's when he mentions the Hail Mary Pass we discussed a little bit earlier. He's definitely still worried about Weaver's mission. All of a sudden, Scott loses power, saying that someone might have left the generator unattended. Tom and Ben go check on that and goes back to the clinic. Uncle Scott is all alone except for the amazing Ricky man who is climbing up the wall. And he jumps on top of Scott. And I was under the impression that he had killed Uncle Scott at this point. I was kind of surprised to see him a little bit later on. We go over, we see Pope and Anthony discussing the bombs in the vehicle that's where Pope mentions that movie, The Wages of Fear. Anthony's worried about that loaded RPG that did not have the safety on. We see that um, the convoy stops and Weaver sends out two scouts to go a couple of kilometers ahead. Weaver's kind of shaky and we have Hal's history lesson about Pearl Harbor. We cut back over and we learn that the generator was sabotaged and that Rick had attacked Uncle Scott. Ben um, somehow knew it was him. There is some sort of connection there. Uncle Scott theorizes that Ricky had been hanging there for a while because he knew what part to take to sabotage the transmitter. Tom and Ann discuss Rick and say they have to find him. Ben finds Ricky with the missing part, and Ben is trying to talk some sense into him and says that he wants the skitters out of his head. Ricky wants the harness back and wants Ben to come with him to find the skitters. Rick jumps out the window, and Ben starts to chase him. Rick is able to like do these miraculous... Jackie Chan moves basically through the camp, jumping over things. Ben almost got shot trying to chase him down. And basically Tom tells Ben to go back in and he was going to go after Rick. And this is where we have Rick running into Megan. We saw her in the episodes with the sanctuary a few weeks ago. And Megan looks kind of rough. Um, she's definitely got more of her skin discolored around her head and neck. You can definitely see more of the skittering effect going on here. As she makes more of that transition into more of the spidery, skittery things. And so, kind of weird. Ricky tells her that he wants to go back. And Megan says, first tell us everything about the people you've been with. And then we come back and Tom is giving chase. He's tracking Rick's tracks through the mud and things. 
and then we see Rick is yelling at Megan to come back. He said he told her everything and that she left him. Rick also goes on to say that he's not one of them or one of us, and he even asked Tom to kill him. And then he said he's sorry that he thought that they loved him, and he even said he missed his dad, which was strange. And he, he said that he told them everything about the school and Weaver and Tom, which makes sense near the end of the episode since, you know, well, we'll get to that in a minute. But it does kind of you know tie some things together, and I think they're really good at that. I mean, there's lots of little things we can overlook in, throughout the episodes, but they definitely seem to, for the most part, try to tie the pieces together. And I think that was a good example right there. Weaver's group is getting close to the structure. He tells the fighters to circle up. They made it to the checkpoint where the runners of the 4th and 5th were supposed to have met them. Well, they didn't, so they just have to assume they're not going to. And so they have two choices. They can either go back or they can keep going. And this is when we get the uh, <laughs> the Pope quote of the week. And also where Anthony calls Pope Charles Manson. But everybody's in. And basically they say that at 1900 hours, Weaver says he'll send Hal and Anthony a recon, and then at 2100 hours, they'll light the fuses and make their way back to the school any way they can, and then Prope tries to get away from Anthony, but he's stuck with him, <laughs> and Weaver, and I think he says his name Gibson. Okay, so basically, this is one thing I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on, too. Okay, so you have 50 people went on this mission. Basically, five of them stay with Weaver, total, including Weaver. And the other three groups of approximately 15 people, that would be 50, um, go off to set charges on the other three legs of the structure. Okay, so just keep that in mind. We have five people, including Weaver, and then 45 people away from Weaver. And we'll get to that back to that point um, in my top five moments of the episode. Well, we get back over to the Masons at the camp, and Ricky had the missing part. Why would Ricky keep the missing part? We don't know, but he did. Tom tells the crew that the Skidders know where they are and they will most likely attack. They plan to wait on the fighters to return, but now he has decided to evacuate the civilians through the tunnel. Maggie's concerned about the plan, as probably others are as well, and Tom says that he'll stay behind with a small group of volunteers to give the civilians a chance. And that's when he gets his history lessons about Lexington and Concord, the quote from Patrick Henry. And all those great things. And okay, we go back over and we see that Hal and Anthony see the mechs are moving into positions around the structure. They saw smoke. It looks like the other teams might not have made it. And Anthony and Hal think they're waiting for them, as as in the mechs and skitters are waiting for them. Weaver orders Hal to go back to Tom to tell him to evacuate because the 4th and 5th are gone. Weaver sounds like he's ready to go on what appears to be a suicide mission. He tells him to go back and give the people hope. Tell them that the second mass fought back and they drew blood. And then Anthony wants to know what plan C is. Pope and Anthony take the GTO. Gibson and Weaver get in the truck. All right, well, we go back over to the second mass. They're preparing to move out. The civilians, Matt, doesn't want to leave without his dad. He thinks Tom is mad about him hanging out with Pope. And Tom and him have some more fatherly moments there. We see Sarah and Charlotte again, which is a nice recall. We see that Anne kind of leads the people to the tunnel, but apparently Loudris is one of the people who's kind of leading up that group. And she's going to be watching out for Rick. We also see Uncle Scott is repairing his transmitter. And Tom was planning to send Ben away. But Uncle Scott needs Ben to help find that frequency when it changes. Because apparently it does ever so often. So Ben wants to use what the Skitters have done to him against them. Good, good for Ben. And then Maggie says that the mechs have been spotted within one mile. All right. The second mass fighters that have stayed behind are getting ready for battle. Maggie tells Jimmy to stand with her. 
That's where she mentioned the cakewalk. Jimmy says he misses Captain Weaver, who's kind of like his little his little father figure here. Tom tells him not to shoot until he gives the order. You know, like not to shoot till you see the whites of their eyes or something. Um, they each have thirty rounds of the mech ammo. I'm not sure how many fighters are there in the courtyard, but each of them supposedly have thirty rounds of whatever um, Weaver had left behind. And the mech bullets did not do what they did in the previous episode at all. Um, they unloaded almost all their bullets. I don't know how many. Like I said, I don't know how many there were there. Thirty people. So if there were, say, if there were thirty people there, and they unloaded twenty-five shots each, <laughs> that's a pretty good amount of bullets. And it took all of those to um, take down this one mech. It definitely didn't blow gigantic holes in the thing like the um, other bullet had done with the forty-five. But at least they were able to take down the one mech, and everybody celebrated. <laughs> one thing I thought was funny after they did that. This is another. This is a, actually a, a pop culture reference I didn't put it in the pop culture section. We see a hubcap full of vibrating water, and there's little ripples in the water, just like Jurassic Park, which is really cool. As the mechs are making their way down there, and I think it was actually only six mechs that we actually saw. But I mean, a lot of that is just because of television and the budget, and they don't have the budget to to have you know a thousand mechs coming or everything like that. So six mechs, I would assume, were supposed to be representing the the first wave of the attack, not the entire attack. And then um, Uncle Scott's finds the frequency, but the mechs are still coming. They need a bigger antenna, Ben, suggests a flagpole. Maggie encourages Jimmy. The mechs appear to start moving in as Ben heads towards the flagpole. It gets all exciting. Tom connects the transmitter to the flagpole to become the new antenna, and the mechs appear to begin to retreating. Tom says if we beat them once, we can beat them again, and they celebrate again. All right, good, good for the second mass. <laughs> they have a moment after this in the next scene where Jimmy thinks they might not have to leave. But Maggie knows they're going to be back. Hal finds Tom. He tells him about the 4th and the 5th and that Weaver is planning his suicide mission. Tom wants the generator and the transmitter loaded on a vehicle. An El Camino, to be exact. He thinks that the Skitters and Mechs might be regrouping. Anne gathers supplies as Tom enters. She even says she'll miss the school. Tom tells Anne to look for somewhere secluded near water. That Tom is going to try to rescue the men in the field. Tom wants Ann to look after his sons if something happens to him. She says she'll be there for him, but only until he comes back. And then they kiss, finally, and he's off on his mission. Like He just kind of walks away because he's smooth. He's a player. But um, Scott and Hal are preparing the transmitter mobile, making the whole car an antenna. Tom is going alone and wants Hal to look out for his brothers. And we cut to where Tom is very close to the structure. He sees the GTO kind of turned on its side. He finds Pope and Anthony. Anthony is bleeding really badly. Pope says he's not a big fan of Super Cop, but Christmas is right around the corner, and Tom corrects him and says he's just months away. Um, they load Anthony up into the El Camino antenna car, and Pope can't figure out why the skitters didn't finish them off. He tells Pope to take Anthony back to the school. Tom gets the RPG out of the GTO, with the mech metal shell, by the way, and Pope wishes him good luck. But we can only assume that... Two things. Either the initial burst of transmission from the flagpole disrupted the attack, or Tom driving towards them with his antenna car disrupted the attack. We're not sure which, but I would have to assume one or the other would be the only reason Pope and Anthony survived, as well as good old Weaver, as we soon see. Weaver and Gibson are inside a truck, which has appeared to have crashed. Gibson is dead. Weaver wakes up, kind of disoriented. Tom finds him like right away. They look up at the structure. Tom thinks that the ships are being called back. Maybe that they've rattled their cages. Maybe they're a little afraid. 
Weaver wants to know what Tom is going to do with that RPG. Tom says he's close enough to take a shot, and he's able to actually take a ship down, which crashes into the structure and kind of causes a chain reaction of explosions, which apparently is the only damage done to the structure. Well, as far as we know, the other people were dead. Tom and Weaver get into a truck, and they're able to drive away, and as they are headed back towards the school, Karen is found in the middle of the road. Karen, which is Harness, we saw her being harnessed you know, within a harness a few weeks ago, was brought there because the aliens don't understand. Weaver and Tom draw their guns on the tall, thin, gray alien that comes their way. Karen says that they didn't expect resistance on this level, and they find that interesting and want to talk. Karen tells them not to kill the alien because of Ben. The harness is a process, she says, and they will call him back unless Tom goes with them. Tom doesn't want to go with them, but he knows that Ben is changing. Tom says he can't let them take Ben back. Karen extends her hand, and Tom takes it and walks towards the spacecraft and the bright white light. Weaver says, Tom, cut to the end. Which was definitely the Close Encounters of the Third Kind ending. (laughs) Wow, I don't know, that's just a weird ending. But we're going to talk more about that in our next section of the show, where we like to call The Falling Skies 5, where we take the five pivotal moments of the show, kind of talk about them, break them down, maybe do a little theorizing. All right, it is time for the Falling Skies 5, the five most pivotal moments of the episode. And we're going to take a look at that right now. I'm saying number five on my Falling Skies 5 is going to be Tom shoots down an alien craft with this mech metal-tipped RPG. I think that's interesting for a couple reasons, one of which Pope had had one of these before, like a bazooka, and said that he shot at one of these things, and it just, whoop, out of the way. It just got out of the way really easily. And apparently even Weaver said that the military tried to attack these things and it just didn't work. And so what's going on here? If it was in some sort of landing pattern, some sort of uh, tractor beam, some sort of something. I mean, if their signals really were down, like their communications were out, some of their instruments weren't working. Um, but Tom is definitely able to shoot this one down and it crashes into that structure. Um, which is a bonus. <laughs> if we can find some more weapons that would work, uh, that's a good thing. And I guess as a, a side note here, we're going to talk about the mech metal stuff. Those bullets did not work this go-round. That one bullet from that forty-five did way more than all the bullets from those guys earlier. They should have just made forty-five bullets and just all carried forty-fives because that works. That works really well. I don't quite understand that part of this whole thing. I was expecting them to be able to take down a mech with maybe three, four shots at most, not hundreds of shots. And so, don't don't understand that part of this at all. But again, maybe that was just because of budget constraints. I don't know. Number four on my list of top five pivotal moments is going to be Ricky escapes, tells the Skitters everything, but they don't want him. Ricky, Mr. Skitter 2011 has been desperate to get back to the Skitters. He finally makes a break for it. He finally finds someone who's connected to the Skitters, who's harnessed, and she tricks him into giving her information that she wants and says she doesn't want him. Uh, Ricky is a man without a country right now. He, As he said, he he's not one of them. He's not a Skitter, and he's not a human anymore, really. He's definitely kind of in between. But the, as far as we can see, the Second Mass is still going to accept him and, and, and have him be a part of their family. Versus the aliens who don't want him. And that's just going to be an interesting dilemma here. We don't know exactly how this whole process works. We definitely see the effects of it. Um, We've got a couple superhumans here. We've got two Spider-Men 
on our hands. I assume I, I would assume if Ricky could climb up on the wall like that, probably before too long, Ben could do the same thing if he couldn't already. And so you've you've got some makings of some superheroes here. Theoretically, I mean, really, uh, they could do some really good things for the the resistance if you know budget allows with special effects and stuff. I don't know. That's just going to be weird. And other part of that, which may or may not be true, I don't know. I was thinking about it. What if the skidders told him, tell them we didn't want you. Go back with them. Be our little inside guy. Get all the information you can, and we'll talk to you later. I think that would make more sense than we don't want you. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, I would have to think Ricky is a spy. He's not going to be a superhero in season two. He's going to be just what we thought he was this year, an evil skitter person. And I think they maybe even instructed him to say, I miss my daddy, just so he would seem more human. Hmm, Maybe. I don't know. We'll see how that works. But that would be a much more interesting turn of events. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see about all that. Number three on the top five list here is the fourth and fifth are gone. But Weaver and crew move forward with the attack, losing about 45 fighters from what we know. All right, now this is an exact number. Pope actually gives gives us the exact number, I believe, in episode two. But there was basically 100 fighters, 200 civilians. I'm sure other people have probably died since then. But we saw Mike die. We saw at least two other fighters die in that episode with Sanctuary. Um, there may have been a few others somewhere else. I can't think of any right off the top of my head. But let's just say those three, these 45... That's 48. That leaves us with 52 fighters. We've lost at least three civilians with the fact that Eli and his mom and dad ran away and apparently got killed by the guys over at the sanctuary. And the little boy got traded to the skitters. So basically we're down to roughly 52, around 50 fighters and still around 200 civilians. These civilians have got to step it up and be fighters now. I mean, there's no more... There's no more backup from what we know of in the area. I'm not sure how many groups there were. There couldn't have been that many. Um, and that's going to be one of those things we can take a look at when we watch over episode one and two again. But Weaver and his group moved out in a certain time. You have the, the fourth and the fifth, and there was a the seventh. And then we have a Porter's group, which I'm not sure what number it was. But from what I remember, off the top of my head, there were only five groups around that table. Um, the day that they sent people out. And then Porter said he'd already sent a couple groups ahead. So I'm thinking there's only eight of these. Maybe wrong. So at best, there's only going to be about four of these little groups left here in the area. And that's at best. Uh, And again, I need to watch over episode one again to kind of go over all that information. But it is not looking good for our little (laughs) resistance here. The aliens have taken notice of them. It's still not looking good for, for the hope of humanity here. All right. Well, we're going to go into number two, which is our the number two most pivotal moment of the episode. The transmission drives off the mechs, and I'm thinking apparently works on Tom's trip downtown to save Anthony Pope and Weaver. Maybe not the case, but I'm assuming that to be what happened as they were being attacked, and they all ran away from there and, and left them alive. Um, the transmission definitely worked there at the school. And seem to be working, as far as we know, and and what happened with Tom driving down to downtown Boston. And so, that's good news. That's definitely the best news we've had to this whole episode. 
probably. Um, better than the mech metal bullets, because those didn't really work out so good. <laughs> they really didn't. But that, if they have this transmitter that works, and they have men who can hear the transmission, they definitely can have a sense of security based on that alone. The only thing about it is how big is the range? Because they definitely do have ships and things that can fly above them in a high altitude that would not be in range of that little transmitter and blow it up. So it could provide some level of security, but maybe not all the security they might want. So we'll have to see how that you know is played out in future episodes, how, how they try to continue to use this technology to provide some sort of safe haven or something. All right, number one. Aliens have noticed this resistance and want to talk to Tom. Ricky, who we talked about earlier, told Megan, the, the Skitter Harness girl who becomes Skitter soon, everything about the second mass, about the school, about Tom, and about Weaver. They didn't want to talk to Weaver. They wanted to talk to Tom. Tom definitely is the, the one who's got the favor of the people. Tom's the leader. I mean, when it comes down to it in a lot of ways, he kind of does what he wants to do, regardless of what Weaver says. But I do think it's interesting that they wanted to see Tom. Granted, Tom's the hero of the show, so why wouldn't they want to see Tom? But um, I think that's an interesting thing. But, I mean, apart from the transmission, what else would they have done to really make notice of themselves? I mean, they've survived. I mean, that's a bonus, but it doesn't look like they've really been out looking for them very heavily either. I guess maybe the fact that they're still around fighting while the greys are there, like those tall gray aliens kind of thought the war was over, and that's why they showed up, at least that's Tom's theory. So maybe the fact they're still there when they arrived and they're still fighting, maybe that's part of why they're interested. That transmission, not the fact that they killed a mech and shot down a ship or whatever. I think that's inconsequential to that. Although we don't know what other kind of casualties they might have suffered based on those 45 fighters that, as far as we know, were dead. I mean, they could have, we saw smoke, they said, at one point. So they could have blown up a couple mechs or some skitters or something. I mean, I hope they didn't just die. I hope they fought but we don't know. We didn't see it. So whatever they did in connection with the transmission, this other stuff, they got their attention. So that's pretty good. But that's going to be our number one thing there. But apart from that too, is Tom went on the spaceship with them to end the episode in the season. And that's strange. Um, definitely kind of a close encounters ending as we talked about a little earlier a while ago. And which is a great movie that I picked back on episode four, I think to talk about a little bit and some of it's, influences on different things so I, that was kind of fun but i don't know man that's just a strange thing he doesn't know anything about these aliens uh, and he's just gonna walk in there with the with the karen that's not really caring anymore and it was an alien abduction without the abduction they just he went along willingly i mean are they gonna probe him are they gonna perform experiments on him are they gonna dissect his brain i mean why would he possibly come out of this alive is what I'm thinking. I'm sure he will. He's a hero of the show, but why would he? Why wouldn't they kill him? Why wouldn't they kill both of them? Weaver and Tom are the leaders of the group that they are, you know, gotten their attention of. They know who they are. Kill them both. I, I don't understand what the alien's mindset is in this point. Like, what's what's the point of this wanting to talk to Tom? I don't I don't know. I really don't know. And I, th- I think that's something hopefully will get answered pretty soon next season. And won't have to wait too long for those type of of things. We're going to move forward from here. All right. Well, we're going to jump into our Falling Skies feedback. Well, over on Facebook, we are up to 122 people who like our little podcast. So thank everyone who has found us over on Facebook. And if you're on Facebook and you haven't found us yet, 
You can do that at facebook.com forward slash falling skies cast. Uh, I have a couple messages here from Robert. I mentioned one of those messages last week and then we kind of replied to that and he replied back some more times. He says, I think it's an awesome idea and many of us have done and talked up many theories about the little hidden messages. And he's, this is in response of the, uh, the rewatch idea. He said, I don't know if you have a form on your site, but we do on ours and we'd love for you to join it and chat us up and we will always do some of the chatting on Twitter. would be fun. And I told him we don't have a form on our website and maybe I'll check his out. He says, Join up on ours and link to your podcast. In fact, I'll be making a page to link back to your podcast this week. So I plan to check out that tonight, I guess, after I get finished with this, if it's not too late, because it does run late sometimes when I'm editing the podcast. But thanks, Robert, for that. All right, over on Twitter, we are up over 600 followers, which is awesome. Thanks, everybody who's found us over there. Got some things here to talk about for the past few days. Granny4JR, in response to the message that Umpo um, sent us that said, Guys, I've been leaving you hanging. I'm sorry. Let me get on the podcast soon. Granny4JR said, We want Anthony now! In all caps and exclamation point. Mono Grande2011 says, Yes, put Rampo on the podcast. And, and then Umpo responded back to that and said, Do it! Arnold voice. Ha ha. <laughs> and then... Uh, Mondo Grando 2011 said, Do it, do it now! Heavy Austrian accent. And then NZ Rob FL says, I can't wait to hear the podcast with Umpo. All the cast who talk with us fans are the best. And then Umpo uh, responded back to the Do it, do it now with a heavy Austrian accent with Abity, Abity, Abity. And then also Sunshine6366 says, They absolutely are in response to NZ Rob FL's message. And then we have some Follow Friday type things from Jewel Phoenix, Lester Shell G, F Schmeiser, Ali underscore Rose 24, and Addy Mike 55. And also, Mono Grande 2011 said, You need to fire Emmy Smiley Face. And I kind of <laughs> talked about that a little earlier, saying that, yeah, she's going to be a special guest when available. She's not a co host anymore. She hasn't been for a little while now. So I think that is an appropriate thing to do. And then also, NZ Robifel says, um, in response to a tweet saying, I noticed we had over 600 followers. That's awesome. Hopefully we'll get there too. All right, a couple more things from uh, Get Glue here. One thing, I don't know what's going on with Get Glue. Maybe it's got a uh, glitch in it like um, Twitter does sometimes. Right now it says there's zero check-ins, zero likes, and zero comments for the Falling Skies cast. But right underneath that, yeah, I see a whole bunch of people who like it, and I see messages. And so I'm like, oh. Okay, Tammy says several things. I hope they get rid of the character Karen next season. She says, thank you, TNT. She said, it's only been one week for, since the season finale. I missed them already. Getting along without them this week. And then she also says, I show up to ogle the men in the show. And then also, Nicole, thank you for checking in to episode 16 about mutiny. I appreciate that. So, okay, well, I don't understand why it says we have no check-ins, no likes, no comments, but that's what it's saying right now and hopefully that'll change maybe i don't know like one thing it is a podcast but it is listed under the tv section just because that's how they do it it's not anything i did other than i submitted it to them but i know there are other podcasts such as pop spotting that i like that i got to be on you know recently and it still shows they have check-ins likes and comments and i'm also a big fan of the media junkyard uh go over to their page there and they still have check-ins likes and comments Oh, I came back, but now it says there's 423 check-ins, 335 likes, and 169 comments. They've actually removed us somehow from 
TV shows to recording artists, which makes sense. But I'll have to update my links everywhere out there. But anyway, we also have some feedback from last week's episode that I wanted to save until we talked about episode 10. There's just a few of these that I kind of held back on last week from Twitter. The Magician said, Tom and Weaver were awesome, but I knew about the kiss from the preview from episode 2. Knew that Tom thing was coming. Always resist. Post underscore it's a total WTF ending to Falling Skies. Season 1, but I love the show anyways. Brian Teal says, I did not like the last few minutes of the episode. I wish they would have explained the alien, the tall aliens more. Lisa G88. Not the ending I was expecting. OMG. And she also says, it's about time for Tom and Anne to finally kiss. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up there for the feedback section here of the show. We're going to get into our last little section here in the waning moments where we like to encourage you to contact us and you can be a part of the next episode. And you can do that in all sorts of ways. You can visit our website, fallingskiescast.com. You can leave comments on posts and stuff there. You can email us at fallingskiescast at gmail.com. You can call into the show at 773-35-SKIES. Leave a voicemail. We would absolutely love for you to do that. And I think, I know I keep saying that we're going to have a contest. I do have some stuff to give away. And I do believe I've narrowed it down to, it's going to be a call-in contest where you have to call in and leave a message about something. Just not sure what I want that to be. If it's gonna be a theory about something, but I'm gonna I'm gonna figure that out before the next episode and have all the details available before that, which will be by September 14th or maybe sooner um, if we have that interview in the next few days with um, Umpo. So either way, I'll have that figured out soon so we can get that up and running and uh, give us something to do over the next few months as we look forward to the return of Falling Skies. And there is a, already a uh, a trailer out for Season 2 saying the Resistance continues next summer, which was kind of fun. I saw that a few days ago on Twitter. Um, it was on the Falling Skies TNT Twitter, the official Twitter for the show. And so if you follow them, you can um, find that and um, watch it. I think I retweeted it, too, on the Falling Skies on Twitter, which is how you can contact us on Twitter if you're on there. Also, find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash falling skies cast. And so we'd love to hear from you. And we'll we'll talk to you next time on the Falling Skies Cast. Peace. It's been confirmed that the aliens have landed. All right, number four on my list of top four. All right, well, number three on my five. Two most, number two most pitiful, pivotal, pivotal. I think that's kind of insequential.